Talk. Entertaining and informative radio for the Sunshine State. Put the car. Uh-oh, I think it's broke. Look, that thing there is all swoped up. We, we got a pair of pliers and a screwdriver. We can find out. I think we should just start poking stuff. Oh. All right. All right. Don't do that, folks. Tune into the Grease Gurus. Don't go to the emergency room. Go to the Grease Gurus and learn why your car might have stopped on the side of the road and what not to touch. On Saturday mornings <laughs> from 10 a.m. on the Tan Talk Radio Network. Ouch! That hurt! You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. American manpower. There are no American combat troops in, in Laos. I See, I put us here, but the map doesn't show a town here. Well, then I guess we're not actually here. And we don't really run 400 flights a day out of here. Or ship 100 tons of cargo, medicines, weapons. Why are they shooting at us? Because they're unfriendly. Why is everyone so unfriendly? Well, they haven't got to know us yet. I don't want to crash twice in one day. Don't worry. I crash better than anyone I know. Why don't you go first? No, I don't want to go first. Okay, okay, I'll go first. No, I don't want to go second. All right, go toss the coin. Tails. Tails, isn't it? That's tails. No, I'll take it. Mel Gibson. Robert Downey Jr. Anything, anywhere, anytime. That's our motto. Well, it would be if we actually existed. That's right. But we don't. Air America. Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. Hey, the Red Rocker Sammy Hagar here, and you are listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Ah, uh, woo, good God, woo. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios. New Year's Day in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfStreetMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our past shows, go to our archive page, Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Good evening, Bobby. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everybody. Yes, we're starting off the first show on the first day of 2019. The first live show on the Tan Talk Radio Network of 2019. Wow, we have the distinction of uh, owning that one. Okay, very good. Well, I I'm, anyway, I'm delighted to uh, welcome a couple friends to the show. I've got my uh, cousin, Ronnie, from Chicago. Of course, Ronnie, you know what you can do? You can talk into the mic right here and say hello. We were actually going to do a clip, an SNL clip. Remember the thing that they used to do? The Bears, you know, because, you know. No, we won't. You're not, no, you're not a Bears fan? Oh, I am. You are I'm a Bears fan. You got to talk to Mike. You got to talk to Mike. Mike, 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 right, right here. here. Say hi. There you go. There you hey, go. Hey, Mike. 
No, 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 no. Yeah, well, he didn't like. Okay, and I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening Michael Bryant, founder and brewmaster of Dunedin Brewery. How are you this evening? Doing great. Doing great. A great year. It's going to be a good year, it looks like. Happy New Year to you. Same to you guys. Now, you know, you're from Kentucky originally. My right. cousin's from Illinois, so you guys are like neighbors. Right. Yeah, pretty much. Just about. Yeah, <laughs> One gets more snow than the other. We wish for snow down in Louisville. Louisville. Okay, so how far is Louisville? See, Peoria's, uh, what, like right there on the border somewhere, in it, from St. Louis? No, no, Kentucky. What's... No, no, he's a, you're going to be. Well, you're Chicago, but. Uh... 600 miles. I'm, I'm 60 miles out of Chicago. You're 60 miles out of Chicago. Yeah, I'm Western Chicago. Okay, you're hiding over there. I can't even see I you know. hardly. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good idea. Well, wait a minute, because the camera's right there. We're live on YouTube, by the way. So, see, okay. they can see him hiding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on live on YouTube. Okay, well, anyway, so, uh, Michael, tell, yes. us, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about Dunedin Brewery, how that all came to fruition. Oh, see, here's see. what we're going to do. We're going to break the show up because <laughs> we got a couple different things we want to talk about. Okay. We're going to get kind of like uh, we're going to talk about the uh, that I played the the Air America thing. Oh, okay. Because you're a chopper pilot. Okay. Right. And uh, so I was hoping you catch part of that. Yeah. And then yeah. uh, so we can talk about that a little bit, and and then we can talk about Dunedin Brewery, and then because mm-hmm. Bobby, what's this? Is this National Hangover Day? What was that deal they said? That's what they're telling me. That's what mm. the TV. I wonder how many participants we got in that. <laughs> <laughs> so what a day to have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brewery featured. Yeah. So anyway, and we had just the uh, honor of going there today and checking the restaurant so I can talk about it and I can okay. highly recommend it. But anyway, okay. so tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I uh, grew up in Louisville and uh, uh, did a little experiment to um, uh, like uh, dazzle my, my mom and her girlfriends and tried to do some wine and that didn't work out right, I thought. And that was an orange wine. One thing led to another and I get uh, get down here and I start. I'm still doing wine, you know. After a restart, and uh, my brother taught me in doing beer, and I like beer, I like you know European beer and uh, beer with flavor. That was yeah. a big deal, and um, I guess because of the background back there when I was younger, uh, building go karts. Back in the day, you got to put it in context. It's back in the day when you had to pretty much make everything. You didn't get in. There was no magazine. There was no shop to go to you know uh you had to make everything up you'd see things and you get go-kart magazines see stuff and how they do that and you invent stuff so that i like that and uh in the brewing industry back then um in let's say 90 the 90s there was not a lot of stuff out there for small guys you know mm-hmm. and if you went to a brewery and you you did a tour you're like, what is, what is all this? And really, nobody in the brewery knew what was going on. It's so compartmented that one person didn't know how to tell you the whole story. And it looks so big, you go, well, there's just no way anybody can do this. But then some brewers, home brewers in America, uh, were traveling to England and, and Europe. And over there, they keep things pretty simple. I mean, they have big breweries and stuff, but they still had simple. You look at it and you go, hmm, oh, that pipe goes here, this goes Oh, that's how simple it is. So you're like you're just cooking something, you're boiling something, you know. So one thing led to another, and thought, well, I'll try that out, you know. And uh, so that's what that's kind of how it started, you know. And then now you can buy anything you want from a magazine, or uh, it's just all out there. You can go buy. You can say, hey, I want a brewery. They'll just bring it to you, you know, the whole thing, you know. Back then you had to put stuff together, and you kind of see that with our brewery. The, the the brew house is from a, a brewery that went out of business in uh, uh, Phoenix. Uh, the bright beer tanks back there are a, a contract brewer that started out as a contract brewer and didn't want to brew his own brand. So that wasn't going to work. You know, so he went out of business. We bought those two tanks. And the big 50 barrels 
They're from a place out near uh, the Twenty Nine Palms out uh, in the Palm desert. Springs. Palm Springs, yeah. yeah. And uh, they, uh, I'm always interested in why, you know, why am I getting this equipment? You know, it'll see you learn something. You know, what's going on here? Am I doing right or wrong? And the guy says, well, we just don't need them anymore. And I went, oh, so you're all getting bigger. He says, well, no, no, we just don't need them. So you're still brewing? Oh, yeah, we're still brewing. We still got a brewer's license. What are you doing? He says, we're making uh, the, uh, the power sodas. He says, we get paid every day. We, we mix it up. We run it through. We carbonate it. We get, just get paid every day like that. You know, it takes us 20, 21 days to two or three months sometimes to get your product out, you know. Uh, and then all the little tanks behind, we call them little 14-barrel tanks. Those were from Hops. Remember Hops oh, Brewery? Yeah. Uh-huh. That, from those guys. That came from a brewery in Bowling Green, Kentucky. So that, that's where the guys started. The guys that had Hops, they, were, they worked in Bowling Green in the restaurant business decided to come down here so that was kind of kind of neat to have that you know we got two tanks you probably didn't see that's the only new tanks that we bought ourselves you know so basically when you walk into Dunedin Brewery which is the address is what is it's up in 937 Doug? Douglas 937 yeah. Douglas okay so when you walk in there it's really kind of a nice looking place it's very nice out front it's architectural looks good it's kind of you know, with the stone out front mm-hmm. and everything like that you walk in and it's just very open and spacious and so you have all these tanks. So basically, right. it's a working brewery. Right. You're you're actually in the brewery, uh-huh. like you know, just like it should. I feel it should be. There was a time, we were one of the first ones that didn't follow that rule that you had to have a wall there. This mm-hmm. didn't make sense. So we did. We don't follow convention. We try not to follow convention. I've never tried to follow convention too much. Um, and so we just built what felt good. What I would want as a brewer, and thought, well, this is the way to do it. Uh, the Fed came in after we were open. I don't know, six, eight years, and went, oh, well, no, you, you can't have that. What do you mean? Oh, you're going to have to put a wall there. Can you imagine a wall being there? So I had to reason it out, which is kind of sometimes hard to do with large organizations like that. And uh, so we reasoned it out, brought them, they came in, looked, I said, okay, you're worried about somebody getting in a big tank, you know, 50 barrels of beer, barrels 31 <laughs> gallons, so 15, 50 of gallons of, in the pressure, the hydrostatic pressure. You're going to open this valve, and then what? It's going to shoot across the room. You're not going to get any beer out of there. You're not going to steal any beer. They were worried about people getting beer and not paying taxes on it, you know. Uh-huh. So oh, you're trying to open it. Well, the only way, unless you're a brewer, you know, you don't, or brewer's helper, you know, you don't know how to do that. You know, you won't do it because of the pressure. you got to pull the lever out and then turn it, you know, so they couldn't do that. And I had these locks ready. If they did, I was going to go, oh, well, here, we got the solution to that. Here's a little lock that we had made up um, by Keller Machine up in Dunedin, and uh, we were ready to go. But we never had to use it, and they left it down. And now what you see is a lot of people, the same kind of thing. You could, it's open, and that's what people need. They need to see. Can you imagine going to a race or something, and you're there, and you can't really see it. You can hear it, but you can't see it and, and really get back in the pits. You could kind of look in the pits, but you couldn't really go up and go maybe touch a wheel or a tire or something, you know. Uh, it's a, it's what this way it should be. Now, you referred to Hops earlier. I mean, Hops used to be up here on US-19, and yeah. that's kind of how they had their setup. You walked in, they had a big, giant big, glass, big wall, glass wall, yeah. and they have all the tanks behind it. So you could yeah. see it, but you couldn't touch. You couldn't get – it's like yours. You can almost interact with it. You're, right. you're so close. Yeah, and that's what we wanted. That's why, that's why the stage – you know, the stage is the way it mm-hmm. is. Some people were saying after we did it, oh, you should have it at the end and all this. Well, we like to pe- get the – you know, get the audience immersed in that. Get the artist, and you notice that the artists are facing the best view in the house. You know, if you're watching the band, you want to be with, look at the band, and the right. artist needs something besides the people. The people, and there's there's the whole brewery. So it's kind of neat, you know. And then there's a VIP area 
if you ever want to get up there and take pictures of them, it's up on the brew stand. So it's oh, like really? right up, right up between there, and you can get some good shots. Okay. Now tell us what all, what what are some of the uh, highlights of uh, Dunedin Brewery? In other words, like you talk about the man, so you you're, you guys yeah. are really into music up there, so you right. have a lot of vet music. Activity. Right, and it's no, there's no, there's no cover charge. So okay. you know the bands come in. We we uh, tried cover charges way back with uh, Celtic groups. We were, we started with Celtic groups, and uh, you know from uh, England, Canada, and all this. Uh, and so we're charging the door. And so what I found was people were coming up going, well, you know, we really don't know who that band is, you know, but we run it. We want to have a beer. And so we're like, hmm. So what, my son comes up and he goes. Why, you know, what are we doing here? Why don't we just, we want people to hear the music. We want people to drink beer. Just don't charge them to get in. They'll kind of come in and drink beer. So that's what, that's what happens. So, and it's worked out. You know, it's, we're restricted on the size band we can bring just based on what the, they'll charge. You know, we couldn't have you 2 in there. I'd lo- you know, we'd love to, <laughs> you know, but I don't think we'd be able to get them in there. Um, but that's, it's, it's worked out pretty good because you're, you're within arm's length of the artist. Mm-hmm. And the artist comes off the stage and they don't go hide backstage. There's no green room. We have a we have a bunkhouse out back that some that they can they can use if they're not staying at a hotel. But you know they're there. They're they're going to the bar. They go to the south deck or they just go hang out. And a lot of the guys, if we have them there for two days or something like that, you know, like Colonel Bruce used to come for like two or three days. He just ha- but hang out in town. So you could be in town and you're going to bump into an artist and you're going to go, no, nah, that's not who that is. But they're there, so they enjoy the town, and that's part of why the the bands will return, because they can in the artists because they can they get immersed in the in the the public, you know, in the town they can be a regular person, and then people come in there because they're just right up, they're just right there, you know. Most time you're seeing people you're down on this level, and the bands up there, and they're just looking out there, you know. Uh-huh. It's, it's a cool deal. It's a cool deal. And the same thing with the beer. I mean, we change the beer constantly. People come up and ask me, "Well, oh yeah, you're, well you're you're the owner. You what's on tonight?" I have no idea because they change it so much. We empower the guys. We don't have a. I'm, I say I'm the brew, brewmaster, right? Because I'll take the I take the round. If something goes bad, I I got my I'm responsible for it. But all the guys are brewers. We don't have a hierarchy, so they all work as a team, and they just dream up different beers and stuff, and they just keep on changing. So I'm going, I don't know. Got to go to the website, or you just got to go in there and see. You look at that chalkboard. Oh yeah, and that's the way. There's a the the term in the business now is that everybody chases after is relevancy, and the artists chase after relevancy. Racers, car, car racers chase after relevancy. The relevancy is to be in the front mm-hmm. and to stay in the race. You know, um, that's the same thing that we're trying to do. And, and most most people in the brewing industry and the artists, you're just trying to stay relevant with what your fans want. So you work for them. That's what we do. We work for them. We're not out there to tell them what they're supposed to be drinking. We watch the numbers, and if we're selling more of this beer, then we'll make more. There's been beers we get in trouble taking off off tap. I mean, there's people get upset. Why are you taking this off and all this stuff? And, well, other ones are selling faster, so you move them around. But then they come back. We won't ever, what do you call it, burn a beer brand? Uh We'll have it sitting there waiting. And we go, "Uh uh-oh. Things are changed a little bit. Oh, it's time to bring this one back, and we do. So, so like a season, seasonal type. Yeah, we have the seasonal. We have the like the Octo Beer Fest. We have a thing called Octo Beer Fest, uh-huh. uh, and uh, we have that beer. So we'll do that. But it changes. It started as an Oktoberfest log uh, uh, ale. Mm-hmm. Now it's a lager. So and it, every year it's just a little bit different. So 
it just keeps things uh, dynamic, you know. So a lager and, a, and an ale, what's the difference? One's more hoppier uh, than the other one, um, or more no, basically it's barley? The, how it's fermented. Oh, okay. you have a you have a, a bottom fermenting yeast and a top fermenting yeast, and top fermenting yeast is an is an ale, and that's the oldest uh, style beer, and it was in Ger- started in Germany, but it was in the warmer areas, and they had to take in that they couldn't keep it cold, they couldn't cold ferment, so they, that's just the way it was. Uh, was it? I think I see the guy. Um, can't even remember the guy's name. But a, a, a scientist found, discovered a cold fermenting yeast, uh, Carlsberg. And so at that point, beers could be cold fermented in the colder climates. And so when you brew those beers at a colder climates, in the colder climates, there's less uh, um, fruitiness to it, like your lagers, your pilsners, mm-hmm. uh, Heineken, uh, the continental pilsners, like that. They're more uh, delicate, they're, they're, not, they're cleaner. And it's just there's less uh, fruitiness in the flavor, and that's because of that yeast and oh. where it's brewed. It's more expensive to brew down in Florida because it's hot down here most of the time. But up north, it's it's a lot easier, you know. It's but it sets. We'll do something in 21 days, let's say, turnaround, and the lagers are our, our uh, flashlight is a lager. It's a hoppy lager, and it's going to take it's going to take longer because it just takes that yeast takes longer because it's not as warm. It's kind of neat. Okay, well, today I took your recommendation. I had a red. Bobby had okay. the flashlight. Uh, Ronnie, what did you have? Which beer did you have over there? Oh, I don't remember. Do <laughs> you remember which one Was it good? Peach. It was wet. Peach, yeah. peach. Oh, that was wet. <laughs> peach something. Oh, peach. Oh, yeah, peach something. Yep, yeah, yeah, apricot peach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah was that's it. a big seller. You know, yes. we, we were the first ones in Florida to do a, a, a beer out of uh, fruit. You know, um, not not just flavor added. Uh-huh. And when we first did it, it was kind of strange. We did one of the we did one of the first um, uh, pumpkins. People are going, that's not right. <laughs> Doing a pumpkin ale, that's just not right. Then the then the it started as a as a peach wheat. Then we couldn't get the peach puree anymore uh, from uh, out in uh, Oregon, and uh, so we had to go change it a little bit. And so now this is the one we can we can constantly get the puree and all that stuff. And uh, but. Uh, People like it. You know, some people are kind of scared of it at first, but it's a good transition beer. If you have someone that's a wine drinker mm-hmm. and they you offer them that, it's um, kind of lets them – it's an actual beer. It's a real beer. It's not, you know, just a soda or something. It's a, it's an actual beer made out of apricot. Okay, well, see, that's interesting because he's a he's a, uh, a hard drinker. I mean, you know, a liquor drinker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, a uh, hard liquor. Get, well, well oh, yeah, I guess, yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, which you know, I do yeah, too. Occasionally, yeah. I have a bourbon and coke. Oh or yeah, something yeah. Like that. But, Up in Kentucky, it's you know, it's bourbon. That's, bourbon yeah. bourbon yeah. is the deal. You know? Yeah, and uh, I always get into it because I, 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 every once in a while I get offered rum, and I go, "Rum's a girl's drink. Guys drink <laughs> bourbon. You know, it's whiskey, man. You know." But but I got I got ostracized for saying that. So oh yeah yeah that. yeah. Yeah, it's it's open open season now. It try it, people are trying everything. I mean, it, we, we we've done a spoof uh, on our uh, Facebook. Uh, a son put together. Everybody's putting all this stuff in beers, glitter, uh, just crazy, just crazy. Oh yeah, it's just crazy stuff. And uh, it's fun to make fun of that stuff, you know. But people, are, some people are serious about it, you know, and they're just trying to do the next the next thing. I mean, like having a formula race, and then like a some kind of a signage on the top of it, just to just to do something different, you know. It's crazy. Okay. Bobby, I think you got something cute on the uh, turntable over there, so let's go ahead and play a little music, and then we'll get back. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, the food, because the food was excellent, too, okay. by the way. So okay, thanks. Uh, thanks. Don't touch the dial. We are tuned into. You are tuned into Nostalgic Getting Cars. What do you got here, Bobby? The Alan Parsons Project. How about a little Alan Parsons? Okay, good choice. Thanks. 
Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. You want to go to Vegas without me? That is totally cool. What are you talking about? Well, you know, Phil and Stu, they're your buddies, and it's your bachelor party, and those two love you. Boys and their bachelor parties, it's gross. It is gross. I just wish your friends were as mature as you. They are mature, actually. You just have to get to know them better. Aging Dr. Douchebag! This is Vegas. Through a night we'll never forget. (laughs) What happened last night? (laughs) Am I missing a tooth? Oh. Whose baby is that? Check its collar or something. I looked everywhere. Nobody's seen Doug. I don't think I've ever been this hungover. What's on your arm? You were in the hospital last night. (laughs) (laughs) The only important thing now is that we find Doug. Where's your car, officers? Oh, yeah. I think it was just you guys and one other guy. Was he okay? He was fine. Just whacked out of his mind. (laughs) We were messed up. Is there anything you can tell us about what may have happened last night? Congratulations, dude. You got married. She is wearing my grandmother's Holocaust ring. I didn't know they give out rings at the Holocaust. These gentlemen volunteered to demonstrate how a stun gun is used to subdue a suspect. Wait, Wait, what? In the face! In the face! I'm sure you're qualified to be taking care of that baby. Oh my god! in five hours. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. What is going on? Mike Tyson? This is my favorite part coming up right now. He still got it. Hi, this is Tom Johnson of the Doobie Brothers, and you are rocking with Nostalgic Radio and Cars. 
Okay, we're back. Yeah, you are rocking with Nostalgic Getting Cars. I'm here with my guests tonight, my cousin Ronnie from Chicago, and Mr. Mike Bryant, Mr. Brewmaster, uh, and uh, Dunedin Brewery. Hey, Mike, tell us a little bit about the menu, because we ate there this afternoon, and I got to tell you, see, Bobby had the burger, Yes. Uh, and my cousin Ronnie had a burger, and I had the bratwurst. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's local made. Stuff. Is it local made? Oh, yeah, over in uh, Safety Harbor. I got to tell you, very well done. And the French fries. Everything was delicious. It really yes, was. Absolutely. Oh, the chicken wings. We had the uh, chicken wings. Uh, yes. Those were oh. very good. Yeah, that's a that's a that's an expensive product for us. It's it's a it takes a lot of time. Uh, it's set overnight, you know, in a brine, and that's that's a deal. And the and the, the oil. We got to change the oil so much because there's so much spice in the in the solution uh-huh. that that just breaks down the oil really quick. So it's a it's a it's a task. And Tender. Tender. I can't. Oh, oh, excellent. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We, we were like young. And dry. It's like, is this real or what? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're, thanks. I mean, they, they do a good job. Everybody tries really hard over there, you know. The guy that called in earlier said, uh, he says, uh, well, this is a little different than what we normally talk about. He says, he's going to go check out Dunning Brewery now. He's like, we made him hungry. <laughs> That's so. good. That's good. Should have brought some in, I guess. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll just call it and cater here, you know, like down <laughs> Uber Eats or something. Yeah, yeah, We've had trouble with Uber Eats. They, they come around back. This is really weird. I mean, we're on Douglas Avenue. How does how does um, Highland Court equate with Douglas Avenue? It's kind of strange. But there are, people are always trying to come in the back. We can't let them in the back. So, you know, then we're, then we're the bad guy because people are back. they got to walk all the way down the street. It's crazy. Oh. It's crazy. GPS is a funny thing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, I think that's what it is. GPS is just picking the street that's closest to that whatever the lat long they give it, you know. Yeah, yep, yeah. Yep. Well, now go ahead and tell us a little bit about your uh, chopper experience here. Your, your, uh, you want to talk about military experience a little bit? A little, little bit of flight, I guess. Yeah, okay. um, went to flight school uh, in uh, late 70s. Or no, late 70s. Late 70. Okay. Late 70. And, uh, 1970. Yeah, so 1970. That's 1970. like people are going, what is he talking? 1970, there was actually a year like that? Yeah, you know? it was. <laughs> and uh, so I was lucky enough to be able to fly, you know, uh, Hueys. Uh-huh. And, uh, Make sure everybody knows what a Huey is. Uh, a UH-1 a helicopter. It's the one you see in uh, Apocalypse Now, the troop carrier. You know, that's the typical mm-hmm. Vietnam-era uh, helicopter. Now everybody's flying the, the 60s, you know, the, the, the 860, they call it. You know, that's a that's bigger a version Black, of it? Black Hawk. A oh, Black Hawk, okay. It's a Korsky uh, articulated blade system. I think it's six blades. You know, and uh, uh, Huey is two blades. And you had back in that uh, that era was the Cobra, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it's basically two bell the Bell helicopter, but uh, one's uh, just thin enough to get two guys in, which is pretty good for somebody shooting at you. You mm-hmm. know, you want to be as thin as you can. And the Huey's a troop carrier, thirteen people, and uh, flew the A model. B model didn't fly Charlie models. Charlie models were reserved for um, gunships. I was just gonna say gunships. So in yeah. other words, if like I played earlier, I played Air America, and they were flying those. So yeah. those are the ones that basically open where the guys sitting there with the yeah, machine it was gun. single door. You know the the D models and H models and that um, they had a little door and then a big sliding door. So you flew with the doors open all, pretty much all the time. Uh, so yeah, the Charlies are pretty cool. The A model sits like this. The D model kind of sits like this and is up further, but the D model's bigger. Um, but like uh, everything that's mechanical, it's got a lot of upgrades in the D model. So mm-hmm. the you know A, B, and the Charlie models they they went by, by the way. The Charlie models still stayed around when they had the Cobras because the first Cobras came in. They were they're all everybody was just learning 
all that, the armament, and all the stuff that they learned from the Charlie model, the, the Cobras in Southeast Asia, really saved the Apache. There was a point that the Apache, um, it was questionable if the Apache would be fielded, you know. And uh, they had, uh, the problems were associated with uh, uh, subcontractors. You have a lot of subcontractors making different components. Bendix doing this, Honeywell doing that, you know, armament systems doing whatever, uh, tow missile stuff coming from France. And you gotta put it all, you gotta put it all together. Well, uh, 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 the guy that's supposed to put it all together is a military logistics officer, you know, but he's not used to being a contractor or a construct contractor, you know, that has to deal, deal with all these subcontractors. And uh, sometimes the friction, as time goes by, things start costing more. And there's just wasn't anybody like a liaison officer, an orchestra leader. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if you had one, the, the people never were led by an orchestra leader. They don't, you know, they don't have to follow an orchestra leader. And so they were having problems, and uh, they went ahead and got uh, a lot of the Vietnam era guys that developed all those weapon systems just to get involved a little bit and just go through the you know the the fog there. You know, this is what's important. We got to get these things to talk to each other. You know, like you all set up your studio, and mm-hmm. like we set up our brewery. You know, you got to make sure everything works together. You mm-hmm. know, the valves, all the valves you use, kind of they should be the same. So if something goes wrong, you have one gasket that'll fit any of them. So you don't have to have thirty-five different gaskets sitting in there. And now you've only, oh wait a minute, we ran out of that one. Did you order that one? You know, this kind of stuff. So you try to standardize it. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of that wasn't going on because uh, so let's say not to say they did. I'm not going to say any names that this person did what, but. A lot of these guys would go, well, they, of course, want to build the whole aircraft. You know, whoever it is wants to build the whole aircraft. They want all their stuff in the aircraft. If Honeywell has something, they want everything in their Honeywell. Well, that's not going to work because it could if you were the if you were the genius that could build all that. But, you know, some places have better pieces of, of, of equipment, you know, like your screen. I don't know. You, you, know, you want to be able to pick a different screen versus your keyboard, whatever mm-hmm. works for you. So... They finally got it figured out, and now we have what we have today. Okay, pretty much based on all that the, pre-engineering that was done in the, in Vietnam. The 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 Huey the Hughes and the Hughes five hundred. You know, okay, the Hughes five hundred is more of a yeah. Okay, but the one that you flew in civilian, yeah, the civilian version. No, when was that? Did that come? Was did that? Was that at the tail end of the Korean War, or did they just? Was that something that was designed during the Vietnam era? No, that was during the Vietnam era. It was the same time that uh, the OH fifty eight, which is a Bell Jet Ranger, was okay. brought out, and. Um, that's was, a four-seater version, and that's uh, the one that fires yeah, like a couple yeah, hundred two, miles an hour. Two, yeah, two and two. Okay. And the same with the the uh, 086. Um, Hughes, uh, Howard built that, Hughes Tool Company built that aircraft specifically for the military. Okay, so we're talking about Howard Hughes now and Hughes Air Corporation, or Hughes Corporation. Yeah, okay, yeah. That's, okay. And so he, he went and he would go find out what people wanted or what his customers would want. In this case, it was the military, and he asked, what would you want in an aircraft? Mm-hmm. So they gave him just – he wrote they. Wrote it down, went back, and built the aircraft. Didn't have any money from the military. This, I mean, this is the way the old school stuff went. And that was probably one of the problems with the, the Apache. You know, it went the other way. The mm-hmm. military is trying to tell you what to do. And there's a lot of, well, you know, what did you mean kind of stuff. Well, his engineers just said, all right, we're just going to build this thing. And uh, then he brought it and showed it to them. Okay. And then if they and, needed anything done, they would build on what he already built. Uh, no, no. No, they didn't. The military didn't do that back then. Oh, the didn't? Army didn't. The Air Force did a lot of that. Okay. Uh, but uh, the the Bell they already had the Huey, so here's the Bell. Here's a small Huey. So they pretty much had a little foothold there. 
so they won the competition for the most number of helicopters purchased, and the Bell was already uh, slated to be civilian. Well, the 086 was, there was an agreement when they purchased the 086, the military purchased the 086, that they would allow them to be a uh, civilian uh, helicopter after, I don't know, 10 years or something like that. So that's, so it's 086 was military first, and then it became uh, uh, civilian. Okay. So pretty cool. And the one I flew, we, we purchased it from um, Hughes Corporation, and it was one of, uh, it was one of the first two helicopters that were cert uh, civilian certified, uh, November 006 and 007 Fox. And so I flew 007 Fox. We bought it, used it every day like a like a car to get around. I mean, it was, you know, it was really good because we were building houses and you could get around and see everything pretty quick and you get the different view of where you're developing. So the owner, uh, Don Calvert, uh, he, he was brilliant. You know, uh, he could just, oh, this is going to grow here. You could see the growth and all this stuff. And, and uh, but it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. So back in the day, well, we, I, pr I probably should digress for a second. So okay. in other words, you were in the military, and then right. when you your other job and your other life, basically you worked for a development company, a, a home builder. Yeah, and I was then, military, got out of the military, um, then look, went and drove a concrete truck. And uh, one thing led to another. I was uh, uh, delivering concrete, you know, one day, and I'm standing around and look at this guy. Get, red convertible drives up. Hmm. Guy gets out, he's got a pad with him, goes inside, comes back out, asks one of the guys that was pouring the concrete, says, well, who's that guy? Is he, he's the owner of the house or whatever. You know, he goes, oh, no, that's a superintendent. I went, superintendent? Hmm, ah, now I know what job I'm looking for. <laughs> if you know what you want to, you know, if you know the term, then, you, then I went in the newspaper and started looking for superintendent jobs and started applying for them. And that's how I got, what, what got me the job was the fact that that, that company, it was the largest in Kentucky. They had a, a Hughes 300, which is a little two-seater recip, the little uh, four-cylinder or six-cylinder and flat, flat opposed. Must have been a four. And uh, so here I am, helicopter pilot, you know, wanting to be wanting to be a superintendent. And they're going, wait a minute, we already got a helicopter, and this guy's making his test pilot. Huh? Maybe this could work out pretty good. So it did save me a little bit of money, but I could fly if if when I started building, I, I just came by naturally. The only thing I did before that was uh, I was a took Boy Scout Home Improvement Merit Badge. <laughs> you know, and that was it. You know, I didn't have any construction business. Always liked building stuff. Uh -huh. You know, always intrigued by it. I think that's a big thing. Just being motivated by wanting to do it. You know, which is the same with brewing, uh, fly, learning to fly, and you know, all that. Racing you cars, do it, yeah. Yeah, you just want, you know, just that, that's your passion. If you can get your passion involved in what you're doing, it's a win-win, you know. You're going to be good at it, and you're yeah, going to be successful yeah, at it. Exactly. Yeah, you're going to enjoy it. It's going to always. Everything has its ups and downs and craziness, but at least you got something there that's going. No, it's going to be all right. It doesn't matter. It's going to, you know, it's going to be okay. You know. Super. Trick, you trick yourself, you know. <laughs> yeah, Bobby, you got something queued up for us again here? I have some eagles for us. Oh, we got some eagles. Okay. We'll be right back.
reunion of the Army's renowned 509. For more than six hours in July of 1947, the town of Roswell was known as the flying saucer capital of the world. The debris recovered from a crash site in the desert was originally identified by Army intelligence officer Major Jesse Marcel as seen from a flying saucer, much to the embarrassment of the Army, and in particular Major Marcel, shown here holding what turned out to be a piece of aluminum foil. Could I talk to you a little bit later? Yeah, you can be here at the barbecue, right? No, I mean a little. Let it go, Jesse. Local rancher just brought in a whole lot of, I don't know what you'd call it. Some, you know, top secret. This thing was big. Let's just suppose Los Alamos or White Sands launched some ultra-experimental plane, rocket, whatever. But nobody's found anything because nobody's out looking. And that means this ain't ours. Open the gate. No, sir. What do you mean, no? I'm the sheriff of this here county. I'll go where I damn well please. We have our orders. Whose orders? Colonel Blanchard, sir. What kind of a goddamn idiot released this nonsense? Now, no disrespect intended, sir, but if you guys know something that we don't, you should have told us. We have some reporters coming. We'll show them the debris that the rancher found. You keep your mouth shut, and I will field all questions. What's this? This is what you found? No. Uh, sir, this is, uh, well, this is a weather balloon. No, this is Warren Officer Irving Newton, weather officer at Fort Worth. Uh, tell us, what's your opinion? It's a weather balloon. Quite frankly, I'm a bit surprised that someone with Major Marcel's experience didn't recognize it for what it was. According to General Ramey, Major Marcel should have realized that what the rancher had found was, in fact, nothing but a weather balloon. So if I'm the fall guy on this, I want to know what I'm the fall guy for. And I'll be a good soldier. Let me see your report, Sherman. I don't know what you're talking about. If it's a weather balloon, tell me how come Brazel's ranch was all cordoned off when we got there. And if it was a weather balloon... How could Marcel not recognize it when the damn things are sent up by the 509 twice a day from that rooftop across the street? I'm a private goddamn citizen, you understand me? I'll tell you something else, I'm gonna write my congressman. You bet your sweet ass I'm gonna write my congressman. Where's it say thing in the Bill of Rights about kidnapping private citizens off the street, huh? Why don't you show me that amendment? Show me that page number, man! I know what I saw, I held up my goddamn hands! They said the material was a weather balloon. Well, how in the hell does a weather balloon affect our national security? Off the record, what's the truth? I'll tell you the truth. You know how sometimes folks, they talk about little green men? Well, they ain't green. Come on, Lewis. Jesse, I can't tell you anything more. The Army's worked very hard to bury this. And I saw the bodies, too. Bodies. Five or six of them. That was a monkey. With all of its hair singed off, his head swollen up like a melon from decompression. No eyes. They were popped out, leaving other these black holes. You saw the bodies. You think they were monkeys? He wasn't alive. It was alive. 
What happened here is merely the tip of the iceberg. You see, physicists now speculate that it's unlikely these things fly vast distances from other solar systems. You see, they may not be just one universe. Like then, what did I see out there in that field? Oh, that. Why, that was a weather balloon. Hey everybody, this is Andy Powell, guitarist, Wishbone Ash, and you are listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back, and yes, you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and uh, no, it wasn't a weather balloon. <laughs> Mike, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, you know, who knows, but there's some strange things about it, uh, the whole episode. You know, I, I got uh, interested in that that because I saw an article by uh, Lieutenant Air Force Lieutenant Colonel up in... Uh, Panhandle on a Sunday. We were up there at the beach, and I thought, what is this colonel talking about? And he talked about a book called The Roswell Incident. And I thought, well, this guy's crazy. He's His whole career, he's putting his whole career on here, and it's a it's a full-page article about that this guy thinks, hmm, something something to all this, you know. So, uh, oh, uh, at that time, I had some things that um, I was involved with is that you had to know the terrain out there, you know. And uh, being an aviator, um, I thought, well, I've got a, got all these maps. One's the 50s, one to two fit, you know, two fit aeronautical charts and all this stuff. And I'm trying to get my, my feet on the ground. You know, about, I know where Fort Bliss is and all that. I went to basic training there. And so I'm looking and I'm going, well, where is, where is these horse caves? Where is this plains of St. Augustine, you know, and Roswell? And then I start reading the book a little bit and I go, well, Roswell doesn't have anything really to do with the event, you know, because I look at things like a... Uh, if you're doing an aircraft accident investigation, you, you know, in the in the mil- in the army, we don't we're not real sophisticated back then. But you know, you go well. Where did the first event happen? Well, it's like 150, 200 miles north of uh, Roswell. You know, where the rancher, was, you know, the rancher said something fell on the ground, uh-huh. and then you go another 150, 200 miles away, and something else happened. Pretty much the same day. But, you know, everybody's got to think about this. Not really. They didn't have telephones. They didn't have, you know, the guy's a rancher out on a sheep uh, sheep farm. He's got to go in town to use the phone. So he really couldn't uh, converse with, the, what was it, some uh, uh, some teachers and a bunch of people over at these uh, caves, uh, these Indian caves, uh-huh. that saw something. You know, he couldn't have called them up and said, hey, you know what, I don't know you, but, you know, Tell, tell everybody you saw something. You know, it's kind of crazy. Uh-huh. And then it's 200, 200 miles or whatever from there to Roswell. And the roads, because uh, I drove the roads because I had to do a ground recon out there. And it's like, the roads are still, there's no highways out there. And these roads are, they're not, you know, it takes a while to get somewhere. So uh, uh, it's just funny that there's all this to do about something that didn't happen. Like almost the last thing they said, what's all this about in the weather balloon thing? You check the records, and I could all be wrong. It could be all misinformation all put together, but um, uh, those weather balloons weren't being used at that time. You know, so it's kind of strange. Then what really got me was that there was a uh, – uh, I'm looking at the, at the aeronautical chart. What is this restricted area here? Right near where planes of St. Augustine are. What's that doing there? And so I look down the border, and it goes, oh, VLA – uh, it was uh, restricted airspace, uh, 24 hours a day, I believe it was, uh, from the ground to, to uh, infinity or something. I went, what? This That's is crazy. Well, I know we can't fly, overfly this thing, but it's 
Where, why is it there? And so I uh, ended up driving out there looking at it just to see the top- topography. And and I uh, had to have uh, had to get a topo done, so uh, actual three-dimensional topo of the of the um, area, and where the supposed incident, the first incident, where it was almost like I'm in a car and you blow the transmission out. Mm-hmm. Well, there's going to be something on the gr- on the ground where that happened. Right. Well, where that didn't happen up there in uh, uh, Santa, was it uh, Corona. Uh, it didn't happen, but but where it didn't happen, okay, is <laughs> where it didn't happen. Where it didn't happen, or allegedly didn't happen, yeah, is uh, there's a uh, two mountains out there that would keep a person that's flying very quickly. If I was in a helicopter and I was flying like that quick, that witnesses said, just kind of makes sense. Well, there's only one place it could have gone, or it would have hit one of those two mountain peaks, uh huh, and it was pretty much a straight line to the plains of Saint Augustine, where the VLA is. So, and the VLA is like, they've spent a lot of money on the VLA. You know, I mean, it's, I, I read something that was almost like the, the same amount of money as the whole um, uh, space program, you know, huh. for the shuttle and all. Yeah. But in the, in what it is, it's a, it's a Y-shaped deal, and you can see it from the, from the map. It uh-huh. shows it on there. And they have radio telescopes. Pretty cool, it's a pretty cool deal. But it's just strange that it's there, you know? No questions ever asked about that, you know. And the VLA stands for what? A very large array. And what they do, it's a radio telescope, and they're on railroad tracks. Uh huh. And there's nobody, when you go to the building out there, you can go out there, and I got a t shirt from there and some stuff, and uh, you, there's nobody there. You know, you go in and you, you look at the different pictures, and it tells you all about it and what it's doing. So you know, it's they, like a museum or something like no, that? No, no, it's just an uh, information center. Oh, an information you know, center. A, yeah, it's above, um, it's above um, on, you know. You know, it's like above uh, secrecy. There's no secret about it. It's okay. out there, you know. Okay. And so what they're doing is they move those uh, radio telescopes back at different times, and, and they focus in deep space trying to listen and maybe send messages and see if there's any intelligent life out there. It's part of the, kind of part of what became SETI, you know, search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Okay. So it's just, but it's just kind of funny that the coincidence that, the place that it that something didn't crash, mm-hmm. and that's not to say that it wasn't what someone said that that was. Uh, think back in the day, if if the military got caught with some midgets <laughs> in an aircraft that was had a had a uh, nuclear uh, steam engine right in it, okay, and it was going and something happened, well, they would look like that. So I'm not saying you know it's like, but it's just weird. The whole thing, the whole thing is so weird that it's we're talking about things that didn't happen, but yet. What you know, and so I don't know what the national security implications could be, you know, because there's books written about it, and I love it. I love it just like I love uh, Bigfoot and all that. I love the if we can keep that folklore going. Yeah, that's what people keeps people getting out of bed. It, look at it, people talking about it. Yeah, I mean, I just love it. I love Bigfoot. I mean, I hope they never find him. It's against the law to shoot him out there in the Northwest. You know, <laughs> where I can tell you stories about the stuff out there. I mean, people just believe it. They see him, uh, you know, and I just love it. I just love the fact that it's going on. I mean, I haven't seen. You haven't, look, we haven't heard anything about the abominable oh, snowman. I was just going to say that was the abominable snowman. What happened to him? Yeah, he's not in the press anymore. You know, the skunk ape down here. We had what the skunk ape. Oh you know? yeah, yeah. There's a there's a museum up in northern Georgia that's got the a Bigfoot museum up there, and they got maps of of sightings and all kinds of stuff. So I just love it. I just love it. Well, you need that kind of stuff. We got a minute oh, yeah. or two left, so why don't you tell us quick about some of the cool cars you had too? Because you're a car guy as well, and oh, that's yeah. and since the show's about cars, music, and everything like that, we've covered beer, we've covered 
Yeah, Space aliens yeah. and helicopters, and let's talk about cars. My first car was uh, and go karts and all that. Yeah, uh, you know, we had to build those things and race little boats. We had to race, but had a '56 Ford Post Coupe two door Post Coupe. Is how it started. Then I had uh, uh, a Mercury uh, uh, Caliente. Uh, then uh, then a uh, Pantera. Then a, let's see, no, Cougar Eliminator. Pantera Cougar Eliminator, and then a Formula uh, uh, Trans, Fiber Trans Am Formula. And then the Pantera, it was the, I think it was the first year, but you know, we talked about that, which, the, which handles push, I had. Push button. Push button. Or, or the other the pull. It wasn't the push button, it was a pull, but it was the ZFRN uh, Abarth, total, total Abarth exhaust system. You can tell those cars because those the exhausts are on an angle. The uh-huh. rest of them that came down, you can also tell the style wheels and the uh, the transmission ratio is going to be different. You know, mm-hmm. and, the, and ten and a half, the, the engine was 10 and a half to 1 compression ratio. So it was, um, it would go. You know the 180 it would, uh, it would uh, truly go that you know and took a lot of trying i mean con, you know learning to do that you know and went on and, and but now i have the uh the uh caterham super seven and it's the car that i probably would have bought or do the brewery so here i've done the brewery and now i get to go get the car that or went and got the car that i probably would have gotten and it's, and it's a 90 and 94 and i started brewery in 95 so Works out real good. Pretty nice. Yeah, pretty nice. I love it. I love it. We are up against the clock. So here's what I want you to do, Mike. I want you to go ahead and plug Dunedin Brewery real quick since, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we got listeners out here. So okay. go ahead and tell everybody how they can find out about Dunedin Brewery. And oh, yeah. then maybe Dun- we'll head on yeah. up there. Go to DunedinBrewery.com or just search it on Facebook, just the, the name Dunedin Brewery. Or do better than that, just drive downtown. We've got seven breweries downtown. You can walk around. You can spend the night. We have people that come from the other coast to come over, bring their bring – their, uh, kayaks and all this stuff and they come over and spend spend the whole weekend in Dunedin just to come over here so it's a good cool little town a cool little town and a good vibe I mean it's, it's anything is accepted there pretty much you know except for robbery and you know oh, yeah, yeah. murder and stuff like that all, you know? all the good stuff <laughs> Well, anyway, we did the uh, Dunedin experience today. We walked out to the pier, went down there by Bon Appetit, and i got to tell you, it's pretty oh, yeah. cool. So, Anyway, I want to thank my special guests this evening. I want to thank my cousin, Ronnie, for hanging out with us a little bit. And he my just sp- talks too much. Yeah, he just talks too much, <laughs> doesn't he? And then uh, Michael Bryan from uh, Dunedin Brewery. In the meantime, Happy New Year to all my listeners. Don't forget to check us out here every Tuesday night on the Tan Talk Radio Network. Don't forget to tell your friends to tune in. And don't forget to follow us on what, Bobby? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Yes, and check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com. In the meantime, I want to see some of you guys at some of the car shows. Meekum Auto Auction starts this weekend. Reeves Import Motor Cars, Cars and Coffee this weekend. Scottsdale Collector Car Week coming up in a week. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. to be telling tales out of school, but there's a fella in there who'll pay you $10 if you sing into his can. Downtown Dave. I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. They broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater. FM 106.1. WDCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills. FM 104.3. Listen. Listen.